Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast. Before we get into it, this podcast is made possible by the folks over at RoyalsReview.com. If you want to stay up to date on all things Kansas City Royals, please go check out that website. Plus, you can find Royals Review on Facebook and Twitter. I was about to say Instagram for some reason, but they're not there. But if you are more of a, a TikToker savant like my co-host Jeremy Greco is, you can find the podcast on TikTok now at Royal Rundown Pod. We will be we'll be talking about some of the Astro series stuff and things like that later on in the show. But if you follow us on TikTok, you would have been hearing about this Friday. Like you would be well ahead of the curve before this comes out on Monday. But Let's go ahead and roll right into it. Joining me tonight is the illustrious one himself, Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how are we doing tonight? I am I am not doing as well as uh, NFL broadcasters are doing uh, for Chiefs games with uh, the news <laughs> that Taylor Swift is, is dating Travis Kelsey. I don't think anyone is doing as well as them. But um, that that is happening, and they are very excited about it. Yes, Listen, that's what they are. Everybody should be excited about it. <laughs> Before I can introduce her, yes, we uh, we were talking about it in the podcast Q and A about hey, if y'all want Katie on more, and lo and behold, here she is, my wonderful wife, Catherine Milham, tuning in from Virginia. Thank you for joining us tonight, honey. <laughs> she listen she she interjects however she wants whenever she wants anyways when i'm normally recording <laughs> i am up in maryland for the next couple of months so that is uh that is why we're on separate don't remember authorizing now. that actually yeah don't uh, don't worry followers uh we are not separated <laughs> yes. Really? Now, I would be heartbroken. That's the romance that I care about. <laughs> Forget about Taylor and Travis. It is we would be the one. We're the ones that Kansas City should be uh, concerned about right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag keep Jacob and Katie sure. together forever. With the it's got to be the number four though. Oh yes, of course. Has to be like mid two thousands. When we were dating couples names were like the shit and i was just really excited because our couple's name was cake <laughs> <laughs> i love it it was this is gonna be the best podcast yet i can tell right now I, it is starting <laughs> off with good vibes well hey our listeners out there help the good vibes going and you can do that through responding to our polls and questions and answers so i want to run through what we have seen since the last time we released an episode. Um, Luke came on, not to last episode, but the episode before. And Katie, he gave you a uh, a good shout out, said, Katie coming on sounds like fun. I do agree, though. Hockey analysis is what we really want. Jeremy, I don't know. I don't know where this is coming from, but apparently I have to like sit down and learn what, what a hockey is. I'm... I all here's what I'm going to offer as far as hockey analysis goes. Nothing. That's that's what I'm going to offer. Um, the fact that you don't know what hockey is makes me sad because that's the sport I played. I played field hockey. Yeah, um, but you did. also the only hockey analysis that anybody needs is go Flyers. 
<laughs> I'm pretty the best mascot in the world. Best best mascot in any sport, really. Honestly, that's true. That's true. Phil, I, I, if, I if the Royals were like trade Slugger for trade Slugger and Bobby Witt Jr. for Gritty, I'd do it. Whoa. Let's let's, let's do that trade. <laughs> Maybe Edward Olivares, okay? Don't be, don't be tossing in Bobby Wood Jr. for a mascot. We, we can toss out Salvi for <laughs> Dang. Dang. Katie coming in with the shots fired. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, before we get on to the Q&As from last episode, we, uh, we put up a poll asking, were you surprised the Royals delayed picking a new stadium site after the news that came out last week? <laughs> And um, Jeremy, you might be shocked, but a hundred percent of respondents said no. Yeah, that's because people who listen to this podcast are universally more intelligent than the people who don't. It's just a scientifically proven fact. Uh, so of, of course they know what's up. They were not surprised at all. Well, I I think we see that in the Q and A response in responses because I was up front. I said, Jeremy and Jacob are not taxpayers affected by a new stadium tax. What are your thoughts on the stadium saga? Just want to want to get a temperature check. Um, Ryan said, I think they should worry about fielding a real team before they worry about a new stadium. They need to fire <laughs> the entire front office and start over. Okay. Woo. Ryan's going for the, for the scorched earth approach. That is uh, not, I would say new, but it's not new. We've been hearing that for most no, of the season. No, they're going for the ballers approach. For yeah. the ballers <laughs> approach, yes. Throw everything out. <laughs> um, let's see. Rupert responded, before the team trades any players, they should trade owners. Stop the welfare, stop the welfare for wealthy. Keep the team at the K. Um. Rupert, listen, I don't know if we could trade John Sherman. I don't know who we would trade him for, frankly. <laughs> not a, not really looking at the trade block for owners right no, now. I, you know, I, the thing about trading John Sherman is I'm not super convinced that any of the owners are any better. Uh, even Stephen Cohen, who spent money this year, like, has the Mets have been really unstable with him. So like, yeah, he's spending money and I support that, but uh, there's lots of other stuff going on behind the scenes there that I'm not super sure about. I, I fully agree. Hey, so we don't have to look behind the scenes for some good news surrounding the Royals this weekend. Um, great stuff from the Kansas city Royals sweeping the Houston Astros in Houston um, and that is like had a very unaffected ripple effect on the MLB postseason, what this means for the Royals as the season comes to a close and things like that. But Jeremy, you wrote up the recap on the sweep clinching game this afternoon. I want to get your thoughts on Sunday's game. Uh, so it was a lot in a lot of ways. It was a lot like the first two games. The Royals scored a bunch early. And then once the bullpen got involved, they didn't do anything. The bullpen just got involved a little bit earlier today. Um, and they just hung on and won. Um, the The big news for me was that they went with Alec Marsh rather than let uh, on five days rest or four days rest instead of put, letting him go for the five days rest or six days rest to pitch Tuesday, which would have been his schedule. Um, Jonathan Bolin, Anthony Veneziano still have not yet appeared after being called up. Um, and then... 
Uh, we're still waiting for Bobby Witt's 30th home run. Everyone's talking about like the amazing 30-30 season he's having, but he hasn't quite reached it yet. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, uh, MacArthur. I, I've forgotten his first name. The James. General. James MacArthur, the General, as Rex calls him. Uh, looks like uh, he's the team's closer for the foreseeable future, at least for the rest of the year. I, I feel like he's probably got an inside track on that job next year, uh, depending on what free agent moves they might make. Um, so uh, considering he was a guy that was just cut by Philadelphia, they just didn't have, he wasn't any good. They were ready to move on. And uh, the Royals got him and turned him into uh, a back-end guy that can really be counted on. I'm I'm pretty impressed. Everyone wants to talk about firing the whole front office, but you look at guys like Cole Reagans and you look at guys like James MacArthur. And I don't think the Royals prior to 2023 pull that off. Um, so I, I think there is some good stuff happening here. It just, it may not be as much as we want may not be as much as we need, but uh, it's not, not, I mean, it is present. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I will say I touched on MacArthur's performance since the trade deadline um, in my most recent Kings of Kaufman article. And Ian Kraft, who works in the PR department for the Kansas City Royals, pointed out. Now, granted, this this tweet's from the 21st. I, I will say that some of these stats are a little outdated, but it does show how dominant James MacArthur has been. So, he at this point he had eight scoreless outings since his September first recall, and he had retired thirty one of the thirty two batters that he faced. Um, at that point, only four KC pitchers have retired more than twenty two in a row since two thousand seventeen. Cole Reagans did it this year. Jesse Hahn did it back in twenty twenty, and Jorge Lopez did it back in twenty eighteen. So this is, I mean, he he's looked dominant. As yeah. out of the bullpen, um, he he notched his first career save, his first career MLB win um, within the past ten days. So kudos to him. Good job, James. Now he's got three saves. That. Oh yes, now now he has three saves. Thank you. So like that that just shows that this is very much a rising tide raising all boats. I will like the the bats are doing better. So I will say the pitching is is looking a lot better. And James MacArthur is just one of the biggest beneficiaries. Right now, he leads the bullpen and wins above replacement since August 1st, which is great. But as a as a bullpen arm, having 0.6 wins above replacement in less than two months is a, is a pretty good metric, if you ask me. Let's yeah. see here. I, it's I hard think- to accrue uh, wins over replacement in uh in a bullpen role and to do to get that many in just two months is pretty impressive i mean even peak wade davis was only worth a little bit more than three that's true that's true and yeah jeremy just like you were you were talking about with well why does why does james MacArthur's success matter well it's because that he came to the kansas city royals all the way back in may as a very like low low level trade a you know what we'll we'll take a flyer this guy has one or two things that we like that we feel like we can build upon and the pitching coaches have taken advantage of that 
but that shows me, hey, this is we, – we talk about we want results like the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays and teams like that. This is a move that the Tampa Bay Rays make. This yep. isn't a, a normal Kansas City Royals trade. And I, I, I will say this. After the season, when we're looking back in retrospective, I think we're going to see a lot of good moves that – the previous Royals, like we wouldn't expect out of the previous Royals, if if that makes sense. Yeah, but and uh, you can even just look at the deadline trades. I feel like all the deadline trades were were good trades minus the Nicky Lopez trade, which yeah, again, I think can only be explained by the ownership saying you've got to get rid of him. We need to save that salary. Yep, that's that that is an excellent point. So. Very much looking forward to how the team comes back from Houston and how they do. Katie, do you have any thoughts? Um, no, but Morgan is in complete agreement with you. Morgan, our lovely Mastiff, she said, yes. Dad's right. What a good dog. She is adorable. Jeremy, would you believe that she is like a 120-pound dog and as tall as me on her hind legs? I, I would have guessed she was taller than you. I always assumed you were very short. Hey, <laughs> you're taller what? than me. Do I give short King energy? Yes, you do. She's uh she's as at least as tall as mommy. Um, yep. When she's on her hind legs, she's terrifying, and she's not even two. Aww. No, she is adorable. We what we a love sweet her. Baby. We love our our pack of dogs. I'm sure the listeners have. I've heard them once or twice in the podcast raising a raising a ruckus. Well, hey, before we talk more about the ripple effect that the Royals win in Houston has, we're going to take a quick ad break. Coming up, we will also be talking about who the Royals are sending down to Arizona for the fall league and why that matters. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. Jake Milham with Jeremy Greco and my lovely wife, Catherine. Before we get too deep into it, please, please, please follow the podcast on TikTok at Royal Rundown Pod. You get very, like, up-to-date reactions from us. You can see Jeremy and myself on there just talking about Royals news as it happens rather than waiting for the next podcast episode. Plus, that is another great way to interact with us and we would love to hear your thoughts as fans. Plus, you can also still follow us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. But hey, TikTok is where it's at for us right now. But on with the show. So, Jeremy, I said that if folks followed the TikTok, they would already know this uh, this news. But as the Royals entered Houston to start the series against the Astros, the Astros had a, I think it was like a 90.6% chance of making the postseason. It was, it was up there. It was. I think they were it still was. leading their division at the time. Yes, that, that they were. Now, granted, they had a half game lead over the Rangers and the Mariners. I, I get it. But a lead is a lead, especially with how few games are left in the season. Now, as we record this, the Astros are not only second in that division right now, but they trail by two and a half games. And the Royals sweeping them torpedoed their postseason chances. I want to say it was a 30. Yeah, it was a 30.1% chance swing. Like that's that's massive. And yeah. it, it just it just goes to show that 
you know, the, the Royals don't have a chance of making the postseason, but hey, they are still very much in the postseason picture right now. Well, not anymore. The Royals <laughs> said, we came to fuck shit up. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> they, they have the Tiger. Am I but... wrong? You're going to no, I mean... tell me I'm wrong, Doug? <laughs> she came down in a bubble, Doug. <sighs> Go ahead, Jeremy. Um, right. So they have six games left. Three <laughs> against the Tigers and three against the Yankees. And neither of those yeah. teams is going to the playoffs. So they're they're done impacting the postseason, at least for this year. That's but uh, right. it, it's still, you know, I think you were talking about how the Royals had a chance to play spoiler, and I was like, I don't think that's gonna happen. And uh, you were right about this one. I had, every now and then I I do know what I'm talking about sometimes not very often but Kate, Katie knows how how rare that is debatable <laughs> ah, I like it I like it but no it is I'm I'm trying to think it's it's just weird that this the season is winding down I I understand that opening day was was a long ways ago but yeah. like you just kind of get, in, I got into like this drum beat. I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to come home, spend some time with the wife. I'm going to write. And then the Royals game will be on. Now we're looking at, you know, about a week that drum beats over yep. for, for the Royals. And it, 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 it sucks. It does. In my opinion, Jeremy, I mean, I know all good things must come to the, to an end. And I know we're all going to fondly remember this season, right? If I can manage to forget who Matt Duffy is, I think I'll probably be happier in the long run. It it is just remind yourself, this team started off with Hunter Dozier and Jackie Bradley Jr. on the and Fran Mill Reyes and Fran Mill Reyes. How how can I forget? Yes, um, Greg, if you are listening since you're not on the podcast right now, I assume that you are writing the 2000 word write-up on Framiel Reyes's impact <laughs> on the 2023 Royals. That's, that's the only other place I could think that you are right now. So hop to it, Greg. I want to see it, but let's see here. It is, there, there was just so much good that came out of the, the Royals win over the Astros. Um, hold David Holtzman, who we have had on the podcast before he is kind of the, I, I don't know. I call him the, the stat head yeah. for, the, for the Kansas city Royals. He pulled a new one out. He said that this was the first Royals series sweep of a defending champion since 1993, when they did it against the blue Jays and the second time in franchise history where they did it in a road series against the 1978 Yankees. Now it's crazy to think that George Brett was on both of those teams, but that just that just shows how long it's been since the Royals had done this. And Jeremy, I I think we we talked about this a little bit last time, but I want to get another another check on it. Like how how are you viewing this sweep as the series is winding down? Like it it always feels like the Royals do good in September and they get our hopes up and stuff like that. But like this this feels a little a little different in my opinion. 
well, I guess I'm going to rain on your parade oh. because I, for, well, okay. So a little rain, a little sunshine, a little sun shower, maybe okay. um, the Royals, the Royals don't always win in September. I can't remember who did the math on that, but they actually quite frequently play as well in September as they do every other month. Um, so for them to play well in September is still a good sign. Um, that said, I don't view this series as particularly enlightening, um, especially Friday night's game, but to a certain degree, also, um, Saturday's game, the, the Astros kind of gave those games away more than the Royals took them. Uh, specifically the Friday night's game. I remember because Framber Valdez gave up seven runs on only five hits. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's not indicative of a team taking advantage. That's indicative of a guy who's having trouble with his defense and with a bunch of other stuff. Um, now today's game, they did they they did all the work themselves with all those home runs, but again, they stopped scoring after the third inning, um, and and it was only the four home runs that did lead to the scoring. So that is also a little bit concerning to me, though. I, again, Nelson Velasquez. He, he continues to look like a dude. Uh, yeah. Nick Lofton continues to look like somebody we should see more of. Um, just, you know, so there's good signs in there. I just don't say, oh, well, they won three games. That's so huge. I mean, it, it, how they won those games tells me that mm, there might be less there than we'd hoped. That's fair. That's fair. And I will, maybe I'm, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a, a little bit on it. Matt Cotrero did have some words about, you know, this this does point to some good positive things as the season winds down. This I, this Royals team is not just lying, rolling over. Go ahead. Just to add on to that and to kind of backtrack a little bit of what I said, um, they're the team the, that the Royals were at the beginning of the year, I think would have let those opportunities slip away from them. So at least they're not doing that. Um, especially the bullpen was so much worse earlier this season, but now they've got James MacArthur who looks pretty good. Colin Snyder's getting outs. Taylor Clark is getting outs. So they're, they're, they're finding ways to hang on and win those games. When earlier this year, they would have been gifted these leads by other teams and ended up blowing it. That's true. That is absolutely true. So I'm, we'll, we'll see how the season closes. Um, I will say you you pointed this out at the closing of your recap from today. You said the Royals have now guaranteed they cannot lose more than 108 games. Um, and that is I, I think that's that's big. There was there was a time. It, it certainly seemed season. at one point this year that 110 losses was nearly guaranteed. Yes, and exactly. Exactly. And I will our our friend uh, Royal Deluxe pointed out that, hey, the Royals only need to win two more games to avoid setting that franchise record for the most losses in a season. And that is that does speak to the level of turnaround that has happened in September. Mm-hmm. I, it, it might be it's it is an outlier in the 2023 season, the team's record in in September. But we'll uh, we'll see if they set that franchise record right now. They uh, they what they have a six game win streak, right? Jeremy, like that's, that's nothing to be too sad about. Is it six game win streak? I know I, it was a I four series so. win streak. Let's see here. 
I, I want to say that, I don't remember who they just played, but I thought they lost one game in that series. Well, let's see here. Let me let me just double check on that. Hey, Katie, while I'm while I'm trying to pull pull stats out of my butt, do you have uh, anything to add? Before you learn to crochet, make sure you know how to count. <laughs> Jit. To be to be fair, Jeremy, she she's learned that the hard way a few also, times. Also, don't I don't recommend crocheting when you're high as shit. <laughs> I just checked; they have won their last six games, and they've won nine of their last ten. Yeah, that is. Hey, we'll we'll certainly take that. Um, also, another thing, looking at this, kudos to to Jordan Lyles who mm-hmm. seemed like a lock to lose 20 games this season. I know it's nothing to be too excited about that he has a 5-17 and 17 record, but, I mean, he's he's done better in the second half of, of the season. I mean... Oh, maybe we should give want, the pitching like, coaches some credit for that. Well, may, maybe. I want to... This is very much a... I want to I want to see how this breaks down because it seems like there was like do you break it down by the post all-star break do you break it down by the post trade deadline do you just look at the last month of the season things like that I think once this season is done we're going to be able to look back and say oh well this that and the other thing <sighs> but speaking about the season coming to a close um, it is not going to end for a few Kansas City Royals players. They are they're sending a pretty big group down to the Arizona Fall League to include two major league players. Um, the total group is eight strong, and it includes infielders Nick Lofton, Peyton Wilson, former top prospect Gavin Cross, and pitchers Eric Sarantola, Rylan Kaufman. I always want to say Ryan. I miss that L. Um, let's see, Jacob Wallace, Beckway, and Angel Serpa. So that is, um, Jeremy, I was a little surprised to see not one, but two players currently on the Major League roster go down to the Arizona Fall League. Like, were you surprised to see that? Oh, absolutely. I didn't actually know that was even legal. I don't know what the rules are for those <laughs> rosters, but I didn't think Major League players were allowed on it. Um, it does make uh, sense I think especially in Zerpa's case, because he missed so much of the season. Um, so you want him to go ahead and get some more pitching in. Lofton is a really interesting case because he did not miss the, any of this season. And I kind of wonder what he he's going to have to prove down there. But they did it with Freddie Fermin last year. Um, he right. wasn't really a big leaguer, but it did help propel him to that big league role this year, I think. So maybe that was their thought there. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. And all the all the other players are very like they're kind of on the fringe of the 40 right. roster, I would say, heading into next season. Um, the, the only one who is very much a polarizing player is Rylan Kaufman, but he has some of those like uncoachable traits um, like Max talked about in his write up the quote astronomical spin rates that he mm-hmm. has on his pitches like that's that's just stuff that's hard to hard to coach and he has that but he struggles with control so a few innings down in Arizona can't be a bad thing I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does um 
Jeremy, out of those all those players that I listed, are there ones that you're hoping have good standout performances more than the others? Uh, I mean, any of them would be nice, but uh, Nick Lofton's probably the guy I'm watching the most because he's the guy that I think uh, everybody's the most excited about right now out of that group just because he's had the level of success he's had since coming to the big leagues, and we'd all like to see that continue. And if he struggles in the Arizona Fall League, it's going to be like, eh, it's not a great sign. Yeah, that's I, I fully agree with that. I would have to pick out Gavin Cross because the, oh, yeah. uh, he what he played like two games in double A and then we haven't seen him since. So this is uh this is a good sign that they're sending him down there but like is he is he going to just be rusty and is he going to look like the player who fell out of the top spot or is he going to, you know, make a case for being a top 5 prospect again in the Royal system. Very much I think he has some stuff to play for heading into 2024. But man, it is uh it's kind of light on Royal stuff. We're definitely we're just hitting the hitting the end of the season. Folks are starting to wrap wrap things up and kind of just pack it in for the Chiefs, which I I can't blame them. The Chiefs had an absolute monster of a win today against the Chicago Bears, 41 to 10. Taylor Swift. Fingers crossed Patrick house. Mahomes' ankle is okay. Yes, that is a that is a big one. We'll we'll be watching that closely. Um I am not going to be a fan of seeing more Blaine Gabbert to close out the season. <laughs> None of his passes were incomplete. They all went into somebody's hands. Yeah, somebody's hands at least. <laughs> but Jeremy, I am uh I'm I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Okay. Is there someone that we haven't talked about previously that you've been really impressed with? As the season comes down, um, gosh, that's difficult. <laughs> I, I don't know what my wife is doing. I, she's either pointing at herself or at you, and I'm not sure which one. I, oh, uh, her! I've been super impressed with your wife, Katie. Um, I think she's just fantastic. I am so glad that she uh, she's been part of this podcast today. Um, really, it's the best podcast we've had all year, and I don't think that is a surprise to anybody. Um, no, but as far as Royals players go, um, guys that I've been impressed with, uh, just I, I, I think I'm going to give it to the coaching staff um, just for the turnarounds of Cole Reagans and uh, and 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 James MacArthur. Um, because those those are just two impress really impressive upgrades um, that the Royals paid very little for, um, and, and now they look like they could be real core pieces going forward. And the Royals, I think we all have to admit, don't really didn't really have any core pieces um, on any part of their pitching staff. Minus, I think some people will argue Brady Singer. I'm not willing to argue that. I think he's more of a trade piece. Um, and try and get some other guys who maybe could turn into something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so having a Cole Reagans and, uh, and a James MacArthur, I, I, I like it. I think that that bodes well for what can this pitching staff do for the future of this team. Um, uh, it, it bodes well for, hey, if the Royals can go out and get guys and, and turn them into guys like this, the rebuild doesn't have to be as long as it's been because they'll be able to fill in those holes a little bit easier. Um, 
and and yeah, I that's that's what I'm most excited about. And of course, the return of Chris Boobich. Yes, of course. I know. I know you are missing your your man, your your favorite Chris Boobich mm-hmm. in the in the mm-hmm. rotation. It is. Uh, I I certainly. Truthfully, I hope that he's like ready to go miraculously for spring training. Like he gets a full. That would spring be nice. Training. It would, and I think that would make things a little more interesting, if you will, for the for the roster races. But we have plenty of time to talk about that later on once they are actually taking shape. That is months down the line. But something that we could talk about right now are some Royals review reviews, which um, the. The agreement with my wife for her <laughs> having her own, her own like window in this talk, and she has her own devoted microphone and stuff like that. Is hey, honey, you have to be able to review something for us this episode. So, Katie, I would like to start off with you. What do you have for our listeners tonight? Oh, okay. Um, what was that name of the movie we watched on Hulu? With no dialogue. Oh, no it was one the, will um, save you. Yeah, no one will save you. Um. So Caitlin Daver of let's see, she of a lot of different things, fame. Um, but kind of got a big break starting out on Last Man Standing. She plays the youngest daughter of um. Why am I blanking on that actor's name? Tim Allen. There we go. Um, his youngest daughter on that show, and then she went on to do. Um, like, I think it was inspired by True Events, but a drama limited series on Netflix called Unbelievable, um, about, like, a sexual assault case. She's just phenomenal. And so you don't see a lot of big, bigger name actors or actresses doing horror. Um, and this was, like, a quiet place all over again because there was very little dialogue the entire movie. And so those are kind of, she the level of acting required in a film like that is above and beyond um to be able to act without actually having any dialogue to be able to convey those kind of emotions um and so there's like maybe 12 lines of dialogue in this entire film um but the entire thing is since you're already gonna have to put an explicit um tag on this it's a mind fuck um so, like, there's a little bit more of a plot line to Quiet Place movie. You have no idea why what is happening is happening in this film. And there's nothing, there's no context ever given for, like, why. What's going on is going on. So the whole thing is just a trip. But one of the better horror films I've seen made is particularly made for streaming in the last three to five years. Um, And the music is phenomenal. The costuming is phenomenal. It's really beautifully done. Um, It definitely wasn't like low budget, but Caitlin Daver is phenomenal um, as our protagonist, Bryn, who doesn't say like anything the entire film. Um, So go watch it. It's great. It's phenomenal. I give it a 10 out of 10. Remy and Scout give it two paws up. You're on mute, Jacob. Wow. Well, that was embarrassing. Thank you, Remy, <laughs> for your uh, for your input, and thank you, Honey, for that review. I I fully agree with that review. It was it's certain that movie is not for everyone, but it is very good if you're going if you are 
going to devote two hours to sit down and watch a movie, you can go wrong with more movies than that one. Jeremy, what do you have for a review tonight? I'm going to go in a completely different direction. Oh, boy. And I'm going to give you the anime Kanosuba, um, which is an isekai anime, which uh, for those of you who are not familiar with kind of the genres of anime, it's one of those anime where the protagonist dies uh, in the first episode and is reborn into some sort of fantasy-esque video game world. Um, and in this case, uh, there's um, there's the big trope for isekai deaths is that it, uh, you just get hit by a truck um, and everyone calls him truck coon. Um, but uh, in this case, our protagonist attempts to save uh, a girl who is not paying attention, crossing the street from a truck and dies. And it turns out that it wasn't a truck. It was a tractor. And she had plenty of time to get out of the way. And he died of shock. Uh, from realizing that it wasn't a truck and that he had just embarrassed himself that badly. Um, so then he, he goes to the afterlife and he's met with this goddess um, who doesn't really, who seems very flippant about the whole you died thing and is laughing at him for how ridiculous his death was. And But she does offer him this opportunity where he can be reborn into this fantasy world um, because uh, there's this evil demon Lord who's taking charge of it and people aren't being reincarnated there and, and they need heroes to show up and save them. And, and he could be reborn there and they'll give him any, uh, anything he wants, any special power, any magical weapon he asks for. Um, and he's sitting there trying to figure out like, what is the perfect weapon or spell to take with me? And the goddess is just hammering him. Like what is taking so long? Come on, let's go. And finally, he's like, fine, I'm going to take you. And she's like, you can't do that. And then another goddess shows up and says, oh, yes, he can. And so he he ends up in the new world with this goddess who is just very unhappy about all of it. Um, and shenanigans ensue. So uh, it's really funny. Um, as he builds out his party, things only get crazier. And uh, I'm having a really good time watching it right now. Hell yeah. Love to hear it. Thank you, Jeremy. I am going to review the, I'm going to go in a completely different direction as well. I'm going to go away from entertainment and into the Oakland slash Los Angeles slash Las Vegas Raiders. I was sure you were about to review the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift relationship. (laughs) Hey, listen, I I got, there's nothing to review there. It's perfection. (laughs) (laughs) She she ain't wrong, guys. She ain't wrong. <laughs> no, so it is. So we're we're seeing we see college football, right? Where I suppose all, we're, well, there's all these heated rivalries. Yes, I know. We see we we, we see things. We we all see things collectively. Sometimes some people see more. See some people see less. Stuff like that. But there are so many storied rivalries in college sports. And I feel like there's not that many left in professional sports. Well, that's because the Raiders and the Broncos both suck. That that is true. That is true. The Dallas Cowboys will always be the worst team in the world. She's not wrong. Signed, signed a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Just just so y'all know. But there is there's no longer any 
animosity, I guess, amongst fan bases. Like, looking back on it, it wasn't a good thing that people were afraid to go and, you know, visit Oakland for an away game as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. But that felt like it was a rivalry because it was kind of unwise to go in and wear a Trent Green jersey or something like that. That's that's just not the case anymore. And I, I get it. Professional sports are a business and college sports are as well. But I don't know. I just kind of I just kind of wish the 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 Chiefs had a rival. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe it's the Bengals right now. Yeah, I was going to say the Bengals and the Bills are pretty close to rivals. That's I I think if I the biggest reason the Chiefs don't have a rival is that teams just aren't as good as they are. Um, when when you're the absolute, the Patriots Patriots didn't have a rival either, and it wasn't because teams didn't want to beat them; it's because teams couldn't beat them. Um, I I mean, if you look at, I I know you're not talking about them necessarily, but uh, the Falcons and the 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 uh, Saints have a massive rivalry still. Um, because those two teams are equally bad. Um, <laughs> it's it's when the teams are competitive, you can have that rivalry. The Royals used to have the rivalry with the Yankees, um, yeah. you know, back in the 70s, and they had to give that up because the Yankees kept being good and the Royals stopped being good. So I, I think that's more where the issue is, is that there just isn't that, um, there just isn't that the 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 equal levels of competition is the real issue. And I think if say the, the Broncos or the Raiders get good uh, or the chargers for that matter, get good. I think you will see that rivalry reappear for the chiefs. Um, But, but yeah, sorry. I didn't, I, I probably shouldn't jump all over your review, but I did want (laughs) to throw that out there. No, no, I I appreciate that. Katie, you were saying something. I, I agree. You have to have, there has to be another team that plays on the level of the chiefs in order for them to have a rival name another team in the NFL that plays on the Kansas city chiefs level. There isn't one. They have to be good enough to be rivals. That's true. And I feel like as, as I sit here and listen to you both talk about that, I think about the Kansas state and Kansas football rivalry. You know, it's not, it it doesn't feel like a rivalry, even though it historically has been, because it's been so one-sided, whether it be football or basketball, it goes either way, depending on the sport. But yeah, I guess actual competitiveness does feed into the rivalry. I guess I just kind of miss when fans themselves fed into that rivalry as well. Does it? Does that make sense, Jeremy? I guess. Um... Listen, I would still say there. Are, I mean, there are some. Just because your team doesn't have one, doesn't mean they don't exist. It's still very unwise to walk through Philadelphia wearing anything other than an Eagles jersey or a Phillies jersey or a Flyers jersey, you will get hurt. That's it just because Philadelphia is terrifying. <laughs> yes. That's, that's not sports. That's Philadelphia. Yeah, but it is sports. <laughs> like, I mean, Philly has that reputation, but it has that reputation largely and because of the loyalty of its sports fans. I, I do have to say one of my favorite sports stories of the last few years really um, did come out of Philadelphia. Um, the Trey Turner saga where he was not having a good year and the, the 
they came up with this idea to have the standing ovations all weekend for him. And then they booed him when he made out after that, um, <laughs> which is peak Philly. Um, yes. But then he got good. And I'm just like, man, that's, I love this story. I'm so happy about this. Well, Jake, wasn't it you who, uh, shoot, there was some division championship they won last year. I think it was the Phillies. And I think Jake like looked at me and he thought it was a joke that there was like a headline about how they greased the like power pole <laughs> and light oh, yeah. and um, street lamps so that they couldn't climb them. And he was like, "It's a joke, right?" And I was like, "No." The la- when we won the Super Bowl, when I and I went to college in Philadelphia, so I grew up in West Philly. Um, if for people who don't know me, um, I grew up in West Philly, a couple blocks from 69th Street Station. Um, which is not a great nice. area. And then we moved to DC for like my teen years from the time I was 13 on. And then I went back to Philly for school before we got married. Um, so the last time the Eagles won the Super Bowl was uh, what, 2017, Jake? I think that's right. Yeah, it was because it was the year we got married. We got married in 2018. But they yeah. won. It was like the 2017 season right. Super Bowl because we got my parents the Blu-ray of the Super Bowl as their wedding present. Uh, my mom flipped out, but they literally like people climbed the power poles and the street lamps in Philly. So when the Phillies won this division championship last year, they greased the poles so people couldn't climb them. And Jake was like, "It's a joke." He was like, huh, "It was a joke, right?" And I was like, "No." No, didn't like, they set the grease on fire? I feel like I heard that part of the story yeah, I was too. Like, not only do we like legitimately like they shut schools down, everything in the area when the Eagles won the Super Bowl because and did a parade. Like they didn't even bother trying to have kids come to classes. They shut, they closed schools, including colleges. Um, but I was like, it's not a joke. That's what they all did when we won the Super Bowl in 2018. So they no, they actually greased all the poles because. Otherwise, people will climb them and break things. I will say this, though. <laughs> now it is an actual competition. The greased pole climbing competition in the Italian market in Philadelphia is a, is a <laughs> Shut the front thing. door. What a Philly thing. What a Philly thing. Listen, we could, we could go into a whole podcast just about weird Philly traditions, but I feel like we should, uh, we should save that for some peak off-season content. Hey, before we get on out of here, if you want to hear more from the hosts of this here uh, this here podcast, you can follow my wife on Instagram at Handmade by Honey Co. Um, you can also check out her wares there. Very, very talented lady, if I do say so myself. Plus, you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Hakaius. That is H-O-K-I-U-S. You can also follow myself on Twitter at Jacob Milham Casey. Any uh, any final words or closing thoughts before we get out of here, y'all? Press the digitation. Press the digitation. I can't say that word. Listen, man, I can't even say Hermaine Marquez. All right, I'm. <laughs> you still can't. I can't. I still can't. It's it's okay. I know I know my limitations. All right, everyone. I'm thinking something. And yet bust. he's married to someone with a linguistic degree. Yes, that is very, very true. But we nice. all know who uh, we all know who did the the work for my Spanish class in college. Oh, all right, we're gonna go ahead and get on out of here. Please, please, please 
Check out our polls and questions and answers on Spotify. If you respond to them, we will read your responses on the following episode. So that is a great way for us to hear your thoughts and just hear from you as our listeners. Thank you, as always, for your support. And until next time, go Royals! Woo!